I want you to think about times in your life when uh, you've when you really uh, are paralyzed by a kind of uh, a kind of fear or inability to to make a decision or uh, uncertainty about the future. Um, think about how that's happened to you in the past or somebody you know. And I believe that a lot of those things can be traced back to, we've talked about this before, when we talked about the idea of, of a tree a couple years ago or last year, where if you have a tree and um, underneath the ground there, is, uh, there are heart desires and there are really there are beliefs which feel a desire or which inform which inform a uh, oh. <laughs> um, which produce fruit, right? And so these little fruits that you have in your life uh, if you have problems, you don't just want to assume that that's the, the end result. Everything can either be seen as a good fruit or a bad fruit. And we talk about this, that it all starts really with what you believe and what you desire. And that produces a kind of fruit. You either um, are asking yourself, um, what do I want? What do I need? What will make me happy? Right? Or uh, what does God want for me? You know, how is he working in my life in this situation? So we've talked about this at length, and one of the fruits that comes up over and over again is this idea of fear um, and insecurity, um, sometimes even a stubbornness can, can, can be there, where it's like you refuse to do anything except your way. Um, and, and the root of all of these different kinds of things is actually this, this idea of trust. Specifically, trusting God. Okay, because if you trust God when things don't go your way, are you going to respond out of fear, anxiety, trouble, anxiousness, distress, stubbornness, um, no, all of those things come from a, I want this and I didn't get it my way, therefore I'm going to respond um, this way. So let me give you an example of how stubbornness might work. Um, you uh, working with a group of people to accomplish a project for your class. You all sit down to work and um, you really thought that somebody had something covered, but they didn't. And you get really angry because it has to be done this way because you really want an A. And this person is ruining your chance for an A. And you get very angry and very fearful and very stubborn with how you it has to be done your way. This group has to be run your way. And someone else has an idea of how things should be divided and you get very um, particular about that. That can come from a lack of trust in God. That can You might say, well, that's a legitimate thing to be concerned about. I'm not saying it's not legitimate to be concerned about. But often when we respond, our fruits show that there's more than just a concern. It's a, it's a volcanic eruption of anger or of control or whatever. So I just mentioned a bunch of them. There are lots of different things. We're going to focus on today is let's just assume that all of us in some way have struggled with trusting God. 
okay? Let's just assume that. Because that is a general struggle that I think almost every Christian has at some point in their life. Whether things aren't going like they want, things, you know, they're struggling with relationships, with grades, with family, with friends, whatever. There is a thing of, God, do you know what you're doing? Uh, God, so, so that when people lack it, uh, people don't trust God, there are normally two, normally two different aspects of the lack of trusting God. The first one is um, his power. They say, um, I don't know if I trust God's ability to do anything about this. Have you ever felt that question in your heart? Like, can God really do this? Like, this person is so hard, God will never change them. Or um, God's love for me. Yeah, God is um, God is powerful, but he's a million miles away. He doesn't care about my situation. And so because uh, we struggle with one of these things, we might tend to say, well, I don't know if I can if I can trust God. Okay, so this is just kind of all intro to get this idea of trust. We're going to focus on trust, and we're going to see, what we're going to do is we're going to read through this psalm, and we're going to study this psalm today, Psalm 40, talking about trust. So let's let's dive in right off the bat here. When, when, this is when you wonder if you can trust. This is the idea of when you start wondering if you'll ever be able to trust anybody or trust God. Um, so let's let's just see what happens here. Um, why don't we have some volunteers uh, to read off? Oh my goodness! I can't believe I put. Animations in here. Sorry about that. <laughs> Who would like to read these first three verses for us? You can read them off your sheet if you'd like. Okay, Albert, and then Matt, if you read the next three. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction and out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust, and has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which you have done, and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Numerous. There we go. There it is. I used to be smart. That's okay. Who's next? Who's next? Anybody? Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God, your law is within my heart. Okay. What next? I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great con- congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O Lord, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have not I have spoken your, of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your love and kindness and your truth from the great congregation. Verse 11 and 12. I'll do this one. Uh, you, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me. For evils beyond number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to see. They are more numerous than the hairs of my head, and my heart has failed me. And 
This is the very end. Let's do this one. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Make haste, O Lord, to help me. Let those be shamed and humiliated together who seek my life to destroy it. Let those be turned back and dishonored who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. Let all who seek your, you rejoice and be glad in you. For let those who love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Since I am afflicted and needy, let the Lord be mindful of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Okay. So, if you have your Bible, you can turn there, but you have the whole thing in front of you. And what I have kind of um, given to you here is a three-step process to understand what this psalm is saying. And I can't believe, in fact, I'm going to change this right now. It's going to drive me crazy. Y'all hang in there for just a second. We're going to take all of these animations out of here. It's just going to be crazy. What am I, what was I thinking? Um, let's see here. Look under the animations tab. Well, you have to go here first. Then you do this. And then you do this. Right. Uh, delete the animations. That should do it. Uh, view. Normal. Let's see if it worked. Yay! It did. <laughs> see? That's called being a PowerPoint master. There you go. Uh, um, all right, so let's, what I did, have uh, broken this up into is three steps. There is an, um, oops, not that. There is a observation, you'll notice. Two is what? Interpretation. Interpretation. And number three? Application. Application. This is what you should be doing whenever you read the Bible. If you, if you have the time to study the Bible, this is how you would study the Bible. First, you, you want to look at what it says. You want to uh, gather information about what the, what the Bible is saying. You don't want to. You can't know what it means unless you know what it says. So you're going to say, what does it say? Then what does it mean? And then lastly, uh, what does it mean for me? Another way of thinking about this is if you, um, if you think of it like this. There is um, uh, then, and then there's uh, forever. And the now. Okay? What did it mean then? Okay? Who is he talking to? What is he saying? Who's, who's, who's there? And then can you take any principles or anything? Can you, uh, you know, God is faithful to David. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, God is faithful to, to, to people. God is faithful to those who worship him. God is faithful to people who uh, he loves. And then you could say, what about the now? Well, God is faithful to me. You see? So because God is faithful, was faithful to David and promised his faithfulness, you can work your way to that. And so what it, what it meant, what it says, what it means, and what it means to me. We don't just want to jump um, right to that last uh, application before we understand what's going on. So let's ask some questions about what it says. Let's walk through this, and let's just do it together as a group, okay? We're going to uh, look through these lists here, and if um, this is relatively fresh, so if there's something that doesn't make a lot of sense, that's okay. We can scratch it, and we can try something else. But let's start from the beginning here. What does the psalmist, that's the David here, ask the Lord to do for him? Let's look at this, and who, who can find something that the psalmist asks God to do for him? We're going to use the color blue here to highlight those and, and mark those on, on your sheet. What does he ask the Lord to do? Anybody see a verse where it says he's, he's praying that God does something for him? What does he ask the Lord to do? Mm-hmm. What does he do? What is he asking God to do? Oh, you're in I'm, I'm just, I'm going all over. Go wherever. Oh, it's all over the psalm. We're, I put a, a bunch of different slides because it's a lot of text. I didn't want to cram it all in one slide. Um, verse 13, kind of 
17. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's list them. What's, okay, deliver, right? Mm -hmm. Deliver me. Anything else? Help me. Okay, and it's not just um, deliver me. He's saying, Lord, be pleased to deliver me. Uh, please, you know, he's asking God to actually enjoy the delivery process. He's saying, God, rescue me. Help me. Uh, what else? The, this here is actually kind of a command. The word let, it's allow. He's saying, let those be ashamed and humiliated together who seek my life to destroy it. <laughs> Which is a long way of saying, there are people who hate me, and Lord, I'll let them, you please, humiliate them and shame them. Basically, yeah. The people who are unjustly attacking him and being wicked. Well, this is, uh, yeah, these are people who have, who have been wicked. He's asking God to take vengeance on, on these people. He's not doing it himself. Okay. So, so, for example, in the New Testament, what does it say? Vengeance is whose? Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. David doesn't do it himself. He's asking God to take care of these people. I don't think there's anything unbiblical about asking God to judge the wicked. But God judged the wicked, not you and me. So somebody, somebody uh, remember the... Boko Haram group that stole all of those girls out of the Nigerian uh, people in Africa and they took them and they made them child brides at age like 8 through 11 and they made them slaves, sex slaves. I mean, that's horrible stuff. And it makes us angry. But our prayer is that God will bring those people to justice. Uh, when bad things happen, it's our prayer is that justice will be done. And that's what he's doing here. Um, so he's asking God to be, to be just. Um, yeah? I think there's a big difference between asking God to be just and saying, God, I just really don't like this person. Can you make their day horrible? Right. Oh, per good. Thank you for saying that. Because, like, I, I really sometimes, uh, you know, there's some people I don't like. Uh, like, if I'm at Starbucks and the person's being really slow getting my order, it's not righteous for me to call down condemnation on them, is it? I mean, can you imagine that prayer in the line of Starbucks if I'm calling down fire from heaven? Uh, that'd be a little weird. And, you know, but th this is not stuff that's... Um, this is serious, like, people who are overthrowing him and seeking not only his destruction, but God. he is God's man. He is God's king. He, he's on the throne. God has anointed him, and he is God's chosen person to lead the nation. Those who seek to destroy him are seeking to destroy the Lord, or seeking to rebel against God himself. Okay, so this is not just like a misunderstanding, like uh, he doesn't like the way that the cook uh, made the, the steak yesterday. Yeah. Is it, I'm trying to cover the question, like different, like you said, he's in a position of authority and these people are trying to overthrow him. What about like modern day, just like persecuting us, like just in different ways, like just hating us because we do the right thing? Okay, and then, then you can, there is a, uh, okay, that's a, good, that's a good question. So there are, there are political figures who do terrible things to righteous people. I think that this is a process you can go through. You can say, look, um, that, we have to make sure that we understand that David's situation as a king is different than our situation. Okay? Um, so if, for example, uh, I'm, a, I'm a pastor and somebody's like trying, if somebody thinks that I ought not to be pastor, it's not the same situation. You know, that David is king over Israel, God's anointed king. I'm not going to put myself in, in David's shoes and say, this person is like, a, you know, I need to call down judgment on them or anything like that. Is that make, I don't know if that makes sense. But um, there is a sense in which you pray that God 
that God does vengeance. You don't ask, you don't do it yourself. Yeah, Maddie? All right. I think my confusion is I'm thinking like, well, in terms, I don't know, maybe I have the wrong understanding of enemies in this case. Yeah. Because I'm also thinking like, Jesus is like the king, king, king of kings. Yeah. And instead of saying, persecute these people that are torturing me and stuff, he said, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's a slightly different situation because Jesus' death on the cross was a necessity um, for salvation to take place. It was God, God allowed that. God allowed that wickedness to take place. And the wrath that they would have incurred from God for killing God's son, the son of God, was so immense. He's asking their forgiveness. That's, that's my take on it. Um, Jesus does pray for the forgiveness and he says, you know, love your enemies, yeah. be good to those who hate you, but that's, I think that's my confusion, I'm thinking I might have it like on the wrong scale or not understanding like the definition of a word like, because you know how something can be different in different scenarios yeah, I think I think the, the so. Jenna, you have a thought? I was Maybe this will help, too, because this is one of my questions. Is, was this one of the songs that you wrote when he was fleeing for his life when they were hunting? Probably. We don't know. It doesn't give us an exact um, time in the in the title. But when he says they're but, seeking his life to destroy it, it's literal. Yeah, so, so, so you have to... Well, can I say one more Yeah, thing? go ahead. Sorry. No, that's fine. Um, I was just thinking this, the, what he's praying for, for that them to be recompense is not equal to what they're doing to him. In other words, he says let them be ashamed and humiliated because they're trying to kill me. So he's 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 not saying kill them because they're trying to kill me. Or uh, is that, is, that is that is a good point. He's still asking for a mile or he's trying to I mean, like there. asking God to like make them feel guilty for what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. Not like guilty, that's not the right word. But yes, but he's trying to deter their mission. So yeah, so what are they? What are they doing? As Jenna points out, what are, they're trying to kill him, okay. and he's saying, "Look, shame them for this." It was the ashamed, of humiliated part. That humiliate them. On. Have them be turned back. Have them publicly dishonored for what they've done. That's a good. Thank you, honey. That was a good point because um, they delight in my hurt. If I had to place this in David's life, I'd say it's when he's running for his life after Absalom has taken over his son. His son has turned has turned his whole. Half of his uh, nation against him. He's captured the hearts of the people. Um, so what else is he? Let's let's keep going. Let's see if we can find what else is he asking God to do. He's asking God to do all these things. And then notice here, there's a little break. There's a little change of of um, tone. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad. Okay, now he's asking for the blessing of those who seek God. And those who love your salvation, say continually, the Lord be magnified. Okay? What else do you see in this uh, that he's asking them to do? Yeah? Um, it's kind of paralleled to verse 14. Those who seek my life to destroy it, let them turn back and be dishonored. There's like almost a parallel where those who seek righteousness are satisfied. Like, help right. them to find satisfaction in what they're seeking. And those who are against you to to not find what they're seeking. So he's asking for like God. I mean, to put it like really elementary for God to win. Yes. Yeah, for the good guys to win. For God to win by elevating the good guys and pushing down the bad guys. 
So when do you struggle with trusting God? When you see the bad guys winning. Is that not true? You're like, that goes back to our two questions. Is God love or is God powerful enough? Is God powerful enough to take care of the bad guys, to get the bad guys out of here? Is he, power, is he love enough to, to do that, um, to, to actually keep them from succeeding or whatever? That's right. <laughs> um, here's another um, verse here. Do you see anything in 17? Um, it says, let the Lord be mindful of you. Ah. Ever feel like God doesn't uh, see you? All these people, here's another parallel, uh, Grace. All these people are seeking me. I want God to seek me. I, I, I'm tired of everyone else looking for me. I want God to look for me. <laughs> you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Here's another one. He's requesting what? Uh, speed. Speed. Go quickly, Lord. Um, I feel like so we I ask I... that of God a lot. We're like, okay, I just want to get to the ending. I want to know what's going to happen. Can you hurry up? Is that the end of the... Yeah, that's the end. Okay, so I, I think we did all that... Um, I want you now, look at that second bullet. List all the word pictures that describe my condition and what God does or promises to do about my condition. What is my situation, my condition, where I find myself, where David finds himself? Where does, it, where does David find himself? In the pit. How does he describe himself? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, right at the beginning, right at the beginning. He brought me up. Out of the pit of destruction. Out of the pit of destruction. Out of... What is miry clay? I, I reckon it's bad. Okay. <laughs> have you ever have you ever been hiking and there is a mud, uh, there's a section of mud and you try to cross it and you and you step in and you try to pull your foot out and your shoe gets left behind. You know what I'm talking? Yeah. Miry clay is you're sticky. You're getting stuck. You can't you can't get out and you need help. You're, you're, you're stuck like a quicksand up to your knees, and you're getting lo- lower and lower. The more you struggle in miry clay, the worse it gets. Yeah. Right? You need someone who can pull you out of the, of the pit, of the clay. And he set my feet on a rock. Okay? Uh, that, doesn't, that is not a pebble. That is, a, that is a, a solid rock that you can stand on that will not move. Like a foundation. Like a boulder. Yeah. What else do you see about his... Um... He's rejoicing. Yeah, he's rejoicing. Uh, put a new song in my mouth. Uh, God did this. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Um, that's, that's my situation. Okay. Anything else? Okay, so mm, I'm confused. So is he in a bad spot or not? Okay, so he is. What happens is, the way he introduces this is he kind of gives the, the, the happy ending first. He tells you the solution, and then he tells you how he got there. So he says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, and he has set my feet on a rock. He has put a new song on my mouth, and I'm going to tell you what God has done in my life. He rejoices, talks about how great God is, and then he goes into... Um, for evils beyond number have surrounded me. Here, verse 12. Evils beyond number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken. Okay, so now he gets into what brought him to this place. Okay. Does that make sense? See, I thought when he was talking about 
More than likely, this is all talking about one event. And so what he's doing is he's after the fact. He is recounting what God did to bring him through this okay. trouble. And he's helping us so, see how we can get through a similar trouble. Is this a song of praise? It's a song of praise, absolutely, yeah. Is, is, he, is he recounting or is it a, a revelation or not a revelation, an illumination he's having about God at the point of doing it? He said, there, just put a new song because I want something new in my, in my walk with God or yeah, a lot of times in the Psalms this will happen where they'll, they'll give you, he will give, the psalmist will give you kind of the conclusion at the beginning, and almost like a title, and saying this is, a, this is a song about this. This is what we're going to talk about. We're talking about the fact that God has rescued me, and now I'm going to, by my rejoicing and my telling you what happened, we're going to all get through this together. Yeah, basically a thesis statement. You write a paper, it's a thesis. What are some other conditions? I'm going to get too distracted here because I don't want to get to the end here of this, this passage. Um, uh, here's a condition evil beyond number has surrounded me right um, what else iniquities overtaken me so I can't see okay what whose iniquities he is. okay his own sins have overtaken him what's the result what happens when you allow your own sins to overtake you you cannot you cannot see this is huge he's he's pointing the finger rather than out at them and saying they're the reason i'm having trouble he's saying it really starts here it starts inwardly the reason i lack trust in god the reason i need help and it really is because the reason i can't see god this time of help is because my iniquities have overtaken me and when we let our iniquities our sins overtake us and control us then we, we, we lose sight of God. Um, they are more numerous than the hairs of my head, and my heart has failed. It doesn't mean his heart has stopped beating. What he means is that his heart, what do you think it means by heart? His, he's talking spiritually speaking, spiritual heart, not his physical heart. Yeah, so in the middle of this, what, what would that look like in today's world? What, would, what word would you use? Depressed. Exactly. He's depressed. Yeah. I feel your pain, right? He's depressed. He is, he is facing despair. Why, thank you. Thank you. I work so hard. Um, be pleased, the Lord, deliver me. Make haste, Lord, to help me. Can you understand why he's asking God to do it now? Mm-hmm. Have you ever been discouraged and, and despair? And you're like, I, I can't go another day. I've got to have rescue now. And that's exactly what he's saying. Let those be ashamed and human. Yeah. Um, I'm a little confused because he has all these, like, now words that like help me now do this now yeah. but it starts off with I waited patiently for the Lord <laughs> yeah. that is that is a good question um, you you bring up an interesting point you just called out David <laughs> you're, you're like it's like come on David be real man you weren't patient at all look, well I'll tell you what we can do let me hook up, let me open up my um, Bible software let me look what that word is in Hebrew uh, which one patiently patiently so we're Psalm Forty. Well, it, it, I bet you steadfast. Okay, let's see. Uh, um, all right, it's. Um, <laughs> it means. Wait, hang on, just a second. Okay, that makes sense. Um, a lot of times, what happens? This is interesting. Um, Good question, Grace. <laughs> this is interesting. It's a, 
So, in Hebrew, um, which is what the Old Testament is written in, they didn't have words like very or perfect. I, I, you know that verse in Isaiah chapter 36, or sorry, 26, verse 3 and 4. Uh, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, Isaiah 26, 3. Um, the word there means, the word, when, there? Where, the word peace, when he says, I, you will keep him in perfect peace, what he says is you will keep him in peace, peace. Okay? So the Bible, it, it repeats. Um, so in, in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sin, and they take the fruit, God says, um, you will surely die. Remember that? It says, do not say die, die. It says, dying you will die. <laughs> so in your dying, you will continue to die, and then you will die. Some more. <laughs> so, so guess what? Guess what construction we have here? It says, um, um, I waited, waited. waiting. I waited. I waited. <laughs> um, in other words, I was waiting, waiting. I wasn't really waiting. And it almost has the idea of uh, impatiently. <laughs> if I had to correct the New American Standard, I want to. Let's see if NIV change uh, does this. You do realize I um. Uh, every every English translation I'm seeing says waited patiently. But if I had my own, thanks to grace, if I had the grace translation here, I would definitely put I waited impatiently for the Lord because this idea of I'm like. <laughs> it's it's patiently. I, it's like I'm waiting, waiting, like waiting, waiting for oh, the Lord. Now, now, do it now. And he does say now quite a bit. Good question. I don't know if that totally confuses you or not, but that is a that is a very common kind of uh, construction in in Hebrew. That's what they do a lot of times to okay, me. So then, why did they translate it say patiently? But actually, say because the, when you do that. I don't want to get into grammar, but basically, when you put two Hebrew words next to each other like that, with a, it, it tends to it tends to intensify it or to um, to mean surely. So, like when he says, "You will surely die," you you will most definitely die. So he's almost saying, "I most definitely waited for the Lord." They translate that idea of "I waited in the most waiting way possible," which would be patiently. Uh, but if you're, if you're like I waited forever, that's being impatient. Yeah, uh, so the English translations are imperfect. I mean, we we uh, we do all we can. You don't need to know. You, you can you can get all the good question. Good question um, about that. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Um, what does the psalmist do after he recognizes God's goodness to him? What does he do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I like to do this in my Bible when there's a song because it looks kind of like a mouth opening or, or singing uh, or speaking or preaching. That idea of a song, a praise to my God. Anything else? There's another verse I listed, 9 and 10. Proclaimed. Okay. I will not restrain my lips. There's my lips again. And not hidden. The idea of hiding here does not mean like I've hidden your word in my heart. It has the idea of I have not prevented other people from seeing it. I have spoken freely. I have not concealed your areas, concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. <laughs> Openly, I did not conceal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so what does he do? He responds out of singing and praise and speaking. He talks about it. 
when you, when you are um, when you recognize God's goodness to you, one way of getting over this and, and engendering trust or understanding God's or trusting God is to talk about it. Talk about God. Sing about God. Uh, what prevents us from seeing God's trustworthiness? I already mentioned this a little bit. Our iniquities, because you can't see when you. Uh, that's exact. That's exactly right. Notice what he says here: You, Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Okay, so God's love, right, and your loving kindness, and your truth will preserve me. This is His answer. This is His solution. Uh, but my iniquities have overtaken me, so I am not able to see. I can't see that. I can't see that. And that's when you struggle with trusting God. Now, I'm not saying every time you struggle with trusting God, you're in deep, deep sin. But I think often uh, that can be a root. That can really be it. If you're really struggling with trusting God, look and see what is causing me to lose my vision of who God is. Because if I have a vision of who, how great God is and how good God is, that's our two things, power and love, great and good, then I have no reason to fear. I can trust him. Um, Uh, da, da, da. Okay, let's go to interpretation. So why do you think why do you think God allows us to go through the kinds of hardship to challenge our trust in the Lord? Because if you don't um oh Lord, going back to the tree, if you don't like prune it and all these good things and uproot the weeds then you have bad fruit all the time. Okay. Or it kills fruit. That's good fruit. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if if it's all good all the time, um what do you really you don't have the, the, the struggle. Yeah? I don't know if we talked about it here or if I thought about it somewhere else, but there's trees, and trees have this stress bark in it. Was that here? Stress what? Stress wood. Oh, okay. No. Here, that one here. <laughs> they have stress wood in them because, like, all right, so there's these scientists people that made this big old globe in Arizona or New Mexico or somewhere, mm-hmm. and it was it had all these environment things in it, and they took out all the pollutants and everything, so it was this perfect world. Uh-huh. But as soon as wind happened, uh, all the trees fell over. Uh, they have to have wind and hardships and all this stuff to have the stress wood so that they'll stand. Uh, yes. So it's similar to people who never work out or who never have to get a job when they're kids, teens, or in college. And they, I have cousins like this. And if they're listening to this podcast, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but uh, my cousins, uh, they grew up and their parents gave them everything. They had, every one of them got a car when they were 16. They had jet skis. They had the newest. We always got their um, old video game system, which is why I was a generation behind uh, of everything. Um, we got their old hand-me-down clothes. They never did laundry. They took it to the dry cleaners. Um, they were very, uh, very well off. But they went to these elite private colleges. Um, very. No, it's okay. But guess what? When, when they got out of college, uh, several of them didn't know what they wanted to do. They had never faced hardship. They didn't know how to work. They knew how to get through school, but they didn't know how to like work, work. And so they, they, they didn't get a job, and they really struggled, and they're mostly doing okay now. Uh, but but they, all three of them, they struggled that way. They are mostly doing okay. One of them owns a business. One of them is a lawyer, sort of. He went to law school and decided he didn't want to practice law. Yeah? Yes, and, and God allows hardship. To, to, to turn us, because we, we stray from him. When things are comfortable, let me just ask you this. When things are really good, do you think about God as much as when things are t- tough? No. God allows hardship into your life 
so that he, he drives you to himself. Um, that's a big reason. Now, if in a perfect world with no sin, yes, we'd be worshiping God and, and thinking about him all the time. But since our hearts are sinful and we are destined to, to wander, God allows these things into our life often to draw us back to him. Yes? Um, there's also, like, I might be making up these words, but there's, like, experiential knowledge and then secondary knowledge where, like, you can tell me that I can trust God right. all day long. But if I've never put in the situation to personally see God's faithfulness, then that's just a vague, oblique term to me. Like, right. It's not real. That is exactly true, isn't it? Because when you go through something... And you see it and you feel it. It's a totally different experience. Um, what is the source of our trust in the Lord? How do you know God is trustworthy? What is this? Anything in this psalm that would give you... Um, uh, it's proof of it because he brought him up out of the thing. So you could say experience your own personal... You can look back at your own personal experience and say, look at what God has brought me so far. He will continue to be faithful. And we can look at the experience of people in the Bible because now we can look at David and say, oh, well, he did it for David. And it's the, the thing that you drew with the then and the forever. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Connection, sorry. Um, <laughs> let me uh, point you to verse 5. Okay. Many are the wonders which you have done and your thoughts towards us. There is none that compare with you. If I would declare and to speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. He has a lot of too numerous to count in this, doesn't he? Um, look at verse 7. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Kind of what you were saying there. I think the key is the word of God. Look here. Your thoughts towards us. What are God's thoughts towards us? Read your Bible. Bible. Read your Bible. I yeah, Jen. I was going to say, I think experiences can be good, but we can't fully rely on them. Sometimes, especially if it's your first time going through a trial, or if you've been through numerous trials over and over, or if you're in that situation where you can't see what the psalmist says, then, then your experiences are going to be. Um, untrustworthy. Yeah, it, it, because you can look back and say, "Well, God, you failed me here, and you failed." And I think sometimes it's our experience that is the source of not trusting Him, because we see a series of times where we think He let us down, and sometimes the Bible seems to contradict our own experiences. Yes, absolutely. You got you've got to go to truth, not just our own personal experiences. Um, here again. My ears you have opened. Now to us, it doesn't really say as much until you realize that most of the time their exposure... Now they didn't have printed Bibles. Uh, back then the printing press wasn't invented until the 1500s. And this was written you know, about 1000 BC. And so people wrote everything by hand. And so books were very expensive and very rare. And so this would have been memorized or this would have been recited. So God's word often came through the hearing that's why Paul says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when he says, my ears you have opened, it, we could say, my eyes you have opened in the sense that I'm reading God's word, I'm hearing God's word. I'm being exposed to God. This is all about God's word. A lot of it is. Your law, my ears. I think there's more. Um, uh, your righteousness. Okay. 
Yes, his righteous deeds. Where do we hear about his righteous deeds? In the word of God. Your loving kindness, your truth. See that? So, this is, the, this is the big struggle, is that, and Jenna mentioned this earlier, and I'm going to write it over here, is um, appearance versus truth. Okay, while it might appear that things are out of control, and it might appear that God doesn't care, God doesn't love, what is true? Well, you know, if you know your Bible, you know that God loves me. You know, God is in control. You know, God is great. God is good. And if God is great and God is good, I can trust him. Even when things seem out of control on my end. Because God never meant for life to be under your control. He meant it to be under his control. Right? That's why we can trust him. And that's so when you're struggling with trust, go back to this stuff. Am I reading my Bible? Do I know God? Have I spent time in his word? Am I speaking about God's faithfulness with other people? Am I singing about God's faithfulness? These are all very practical things uh, mentioned here. What is the alternative to trusting in the Lord? To whom would you turn? What's the alternative to trusting God? Man. Okay, man. Yourself. Yourself. I think the alternative to trusting God really is despair. <laughs> if you don't trust God, you end up in despair, in depression. You think... Well, I can't trust, because uh, I'm not in control. I know I'm not in control. And if God's not in control and I can't trust him, then, then this whole thing is no director. Um, anything else? Good. You might trust people. You might trust yourself. But ultimately, that will break down and you will be disappointed. Anything else you guys can see in this? I, I might have missed something. No? Okay, next one is, um, look back at verses 11 and 12. What, uh, okay, we already, ha- we already talked about that. Okay. Um, application. How does David's statement about God's care for you encourage you to trust during trials and circumstances? Think about it. How might God, how might this statement, we're back, if we're, if we're at our little thing here, now we're at the now section. We're now here. If, uh, how does David's statements about God's care encourage you to trust him? trust God during trials and circumstances. How does David's statements about God's care for him encourage you to trust God when you're in trials and circumstances? So here's here's the thing. You're in the miry clay in the pit of destruction right now, somehow. And what is our temptation when we're in the miry clay, what do we look at? The clay. What do we talk about? The clay. What are we obsessed over? The clay. What is the solution? It's not the clay. It's escaping the clay. He says, look look up and God will pull me out. You've got to focus on something other than your problem to get out of your problem. It's kind of a, it's, it's a little bit of a mind game, but it's true. God is the one who's going to rescue you from this trouble. You've got to trust him. And if you're only focusing on what's in front of you, you're going to miss that. Um, that, that was what I took from it. There's, a, there's several things you could say here. Um, David's statements encourage us to look at the word of God. He, he has a lot to say about that. At the end, um, God is my help and my deliverer. Um, 
I don't know. You, you could go through a lot of this. The next question I think is important too. What um, should be our delight? And what does this look like in your life this week? I think I was shooting for... Oh. Verse 14? No, that's who delight in my heart. Verse 8. <laughs> that's not the right delight. I would delight I to do your will. Is that what you're like? Yeah. How, how would that be our delight? Let me ask you this: Like, when, when you, what do you get most excited to do? Is it to eat ice cream? Um, to get a really good grade on a paper? To see that guy or that girl? To have that stimulating conversation? To to go to sleep? Yes. <laughs> right. Um, God. When we talk about God's will, some people think that's about the future, and sometimes it is, but normally when it talks about God's will in the Bible, it's talking about what God desires for you and for me. God's, God's desire for us means what he has told us to do, and we should delight in that. And when we're in the middle of struggling with trusting God, isn't that the hardest thing to do, to delight in doing what someone were struggling trusting because when you struggle trusting somebody you don't want to do what they tell you to do because you're wondering if they have the right motives and you're wondering if they have your best interest in mind but what he says is is that you should delight in doing god's will um a couple more things here what role does speaking or reciting about the lord's ability and faithfulness to rescue you from distress play in building trust you notice many times starting with the beginning that causes so much consternation um this idea of putting a new song in my mouth, a song of praise, many will see in fear and will trust in the Lord. What role does reciting how God has changed your life impact how you and others can trust God? It becomes true. Because like our kids are in that stage right now where they're reciting all this information, but it's becoming so much a part of who they are that now they, they believe it and they know it, and it's, it, it's what is playing in their head instead of all the wrong thoughts now speaking of us not the gifts but instead of focusing on the problem and all that our yeah. thoughts are on it's like practice it's like when you practice a sport and you do it thousands and thousands of times so when something happens you don't think about it you don't say there oh, what should I do I'm a shortstop and the ball's hit to me and there's a person on first you turn the double play like you've done that hundreds and thousands of times in practice you don't even think about it you just do it and it's the same thing here when you recite these things, when you sing these things, when you're filling your mind with praise and trust. And not only are you more likely to trust God, you're also encouraging other people. Hey, God is trustworthy. God, you can trust him because he loves you. He cares for you. God is great and God is good. Um, yeah. Along with that, I think it's um, easier. I know for me, like, that seems so hard to, like, prepare to praise God. But then I think about it how often, like, I think... If this person, when I get to class, says this one sentence one more time, I, just, <laughs> you know, like, I do. I prepare in my head like yeah. I'm going to be angry with someone, but I think it's so hard to prepare in my mind that I'm going to praise God. Mm. But it, it, it does come And you have to do it when it's easier yeah. so that when it becomes that hard time, you've rehearsed this in your heart. Um, or you might go through a hard time and then have to learn it the hard way. We don't, we've run out of time. But the last question is, uh, is kind of a piercing one, and that has to do with, um, with this question here. 
uh, is there any sin I need to confess that's keeping me from fully trusting God? Because the honest truth is, is that often when we don't trust God, when we are really, this is a major problem in our life we're not, when we're struggling, I think it's because our iniquities have overtaken us and we're not able to see. And when you can't see, obviously, you're, you're going to struggle trusting. I hope this was helpful and I hope this was encouraging um, to you. And, and you can trust God. It is a wonderful thing to learn to trust the Lord. Um, you will have courage and confidence, uh, not in yourself, but in the God who put you here and gave you a job to do. And I hope that's a, a helpful way to start the last three or four weeks of school, four to five weeks, whatever it is. Four weeks? Four weeks of school. Finish strong. And then exams, you guys can do it. Trust that God who called you here has, has the power to do it. All right, let's close with prayer. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you so much for all you've done. I pray you'd help us to um, walk with you as we should and to be uh, careful not to let our hearts wander. Help us to trust you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.